All right, welcome back to another episode of the MFA Chronicles podcast. I'm your host, The Zim. Thanks a lot for hanging out with me today. Today we're talking with Ann Hayung. And uh, before we talk with Ann, we're going to do some announcements. I give myself five minutes at the beginning of the podcast. So if you want to uh, don't want to hear me talk, then feel free to skip ahead. Most podcast players have the ability to do like a 15 second or 20, 30 second skips. So do that until you start hearing two people, which will probably be around five minutes. I think I have enough things to say to fill up five minutes right now. So first thing I've been saying for a while uh, is to vote and donate. I got on this bandwagon. 2020 really transformed my life and my outlook and my awareness and wanting to be informed. And, you know, I want our world to be a good place, a better place for more people. And I think I really feel like the best way to do that in our society is to vote and, and donate. You know, your your vote vote and where you put your money, making it happen. So in the description, I'm going to leave it at that this time. Sometimes I ramble on forever about this topic, but um, today we'll just leave it at that. In the description of the podcast, there are places to register to vote if you're not yet, so please do that. And then there's places to donate. Um, in this particular case, I found a list of a, a bunch of um, communities of color that need support, so check it out. Check it out. Out. All right. I wanted to give, so I've been giving these like short nuggets about um, the podcast and just kind of like uh, trivia, I guess. I don't know how to describe it. You know, info about the podcast to fill you in if you've listened to more than one of these. So uh, this is today's nugget about the podcast. So I finally think I finally decided on, um, I don't know, logo isn't the right word, I don't think, but the icon, the the image that carries along with all the podcasts right now is this red background, like kind of looks like a tiled or some kind of piece of architecture, part of an part of architecture and just the words MFA Chronicles podcast on it in some basic like Helvetica or something uh, font. And when I signed up for the, so I use a service called Anchor, which you might hear an ad for in the middle of this podcast, but um, they have, um, you know, a serve their service provides like art, artwork, you know, podcast artwork. And you can do if you're not good at it and you just need something. And I was at a place like I didn't want to I just wanted to do this and get it going and get it signed up. And like I wasn't I was, didn't want to think about that part of it. I was like, ah, this will work. This is fine. So that's why it looks like it does. It's that's you know, there's nothing special about it. And I finally figured out. So coming up within the next month or so, I will be changing the kind of artwork that carries along with all the podcasts um, to something that I think hopefully will represent the podcast better. Uh, so now you know, now you know that story. I'm going to be taking a short break for, um, well, not really, I guess. So one of the things with this podcast is um, I don't really, I don't have zero, there's no schedule. Maybe some of you, hopefully some of you, because I've been hustling them really hard over the last week and a half, two weeks, maybe some, I got some new listeners that are coming back and saying, Hey, I liked what that one was. Let me subscribe and listen to it again. Um, so I'm going to explain to you a little bit how it works. It's, there's no schedule and I'm going to take a short break till I start school again. My semester starts this week, so I'm not recording any podcasts. This is the last one until this coming up weekend. But then as time goes on, I'll probably be publishing much less. Once I get through this round of people, I sent emails out to probably more people than I should have, and they pretty much all responded positively. So I don't, I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I got to do this now. So um, 
that's what's going on there. But I'm going to be, it's going to be spreading out long. It's like, it's not a daily thing, even though they've been coming out daily. It, I go, I do this. This is the way it works. I, I publish a bunch and then I take a break for a month and a half and then I publish a couple and then this depends. It's all depends. It's all random. So now you know, now you know what's going on there. I want to encourage you to check out mfachronicles.com. That's the website for the podcast. So you can um, learn more about all this stuff. You can go, I'd also highly encourage you to check out patreon.com slash the Zim if you want to support my ability to produce these podcasts. As one of the reasons I need to take a break from them is because um, while I'm in school, I still have some jobs where I need to make money. And so it's just like divide, dividing my time. Um, so if I don't have to do, if I can make this my job, then I won't have to do those other odd jobs and I can just focus on this and publish more of them. So you can help support that by going to patreon.com slash the Zim. All right. Five minutes, let's get on with Anne Hey Young and this pod. Hey. Oh, wow, look at you. You got a fancy virtual background going on. Yeah, it's a mess behind me. <laughs> You're in the woods. But it's supposed to be a mess behind you, right? It's like, I don't know. I guess if you don't want to show your messy bedroom or if it's a messy studio, I guess it can yeah. depend. <laughs> How are you this morning or today or whatever it is? Um, pretty good. Um. Did not get enough sleep last night. I don't know why, because there's nothing really going on. Um, how are you? I am okay. I think, I don't know. I'm, I think, so my semester starts on Wednesday. For, mm. And um, I think I'm feeling the beginning of the semester anxiety, you know, a little bit. Like, uh, is everything, what's going on? I don't know. But, <laughs> but I think I'm okay. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. What year are you in? This is I'm the, basically, so it's a three-year program, and I'm in the middle, my second okay. year. So I guess okay. I could have just said second year. <laughs> I don't know. No, that's a important distinction. I feel like the two or the three year. Second year could be the hectic thesis year or like the chill middle year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's interesting. I'm learnt doing this podcast, and I've been um, talking to a bunch of people involved with the Kampha, Glampha show. And uh, learning more about the different programs in terms of years and the philosophy around two and three years and why people do it. It's pretty interesting. I'm, we'll get into it. That's something we can get into with um, down the, into the podcast. Once you get the, so it's Anne Hey Young? Or? Hey Young. Yeah. Like H E Y, like hey. Okay. Okay. Hey Young. So I, I got it. Cool. I wanted to start this one. Well, I, I definitely want to ask, we'll get around. Let's remember this. I'm going to write down the sleep schedule because we brought it up already <laughs> and see how that plays down the down the road into some of the things because we'll end up talking about pandemic stuff. We'll end up talking mm. about art school. We'll end up talking about a lot of different things. So that's a interesting thing. I, I find it kind of interesting how sleep schedule has affected us or been changed or whatever. Um, but I just wanted to start this one. I try to start them all slightly different. I look for fun ways to ice break this thing and... I decided to do like a couple just random get to know you kind of questions. Like, um, so I'm just going to throw out some questions at you that have nothing to do with that. I don't think have to be any like heavy thought questions, but, <laughs> but if they end up being then, then great. Who knows where it'll go, but I'm just going to start with favorite movie or something that you watched recently that you like, or. Um, I just watched um oh my goodness now my like brain is a blank um i 
just watched 2001 Space Odyssey recently, oh. which was um, very pretty. So that was enjoyable. Was it a first time watch? Yeah, it was the first time I've oh, okay, ever seen it. Okay. Okay, yeah, we have we have a little age difference. I'm sure I'm 43, so I've seen it a few times. And Kubrick is like, I actually so you do video. See, this is where see I'll, I'll inevitably take it, <laughs> take these things into places that um, we might not have expected. But like, um, I don't know. We don't have to hang on this very long. But recently, I do video artwork too, or work in video, and somebody made a comparison of Kubrick to my work. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, awesome. That's so awesome. I'm so, but that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so that's cool. Um, so 2001 Space Odyssey, cool. That's awesome. Favorite music band song that you're jamming on these days? Uh, I also, I feel terrible. I feel like I don't really listen to much music. No, um, that's a that's a valid answer as well. Like, <laughs> like saying like, oh, I don't watch movies or I don't. You know, music. I'm a podcast person, or I like I don't like to listen to anything. Like that's totally valid. I love that. So yeah, um, yeah. Sorry, I feel like these are like terrible answers. Uh, yeah, no. I don't really listen to music, so I don't have any good answers for that. This is a, a judgment-free zone. I like to say. <laughs> Basically, I really try hard to have that be like everywhere that I am. That just kind of. I used to ride. I used to drive Uber and Lyft, and I would get in a lot of conversations with my passengers, and they would. I would say that was that would come up often. I'd be like, in this car, judgment free zone. You can say like pretty much anything you want, unless it's really like mean to me or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, so yeah, that's no big deal. No no. If you think of something as you're as we're going along, like oh, I just actually I did hear this song. My friend showed me this thing. I was really into it. Just shout it out. It doesn't have to make sense to what we're talking about. So what kind? What's your favorite food? Do you have a restaurant? A cafe? Um, that you're digging on, that you like to go to, that you like to cook. Maybe if you're in pandemic times, you're you tend to cook one thing. Or what are you sick of? What's what is like? Oh man, I could. I wish I'd never eat this again. Um, well, we've been eating a lot of Brussels sprouts, which I really like. So I've been into that, but it's also like been a lot. <laughs> so yeah. <Okay>. That <laughs> I might, might want to take a break from that. Do you know how how do you prepare them? Just roasted, like very simple. Okay. Oven roasted. Oven roasted. <laughs> roasted. Okay. My so my mom lives with me and she's been making she makes these really amazing Brussels sprouts. Sometimes she doesn't hit it quite right, but when she makes them good and she does like a skillet fry and mm. usually puts in probably some garlic with them and some definitely some salt and pepper, probably some like olive oil actually and just the when they saute and fry and the oh man, they're so good. I used to hate Brussels sprouts as a kid, but like if you boil mm. them or something, it's like nah. No, you got to have. Some. Yeah, no. When they're like crispy on the outside and then the inside is really soft. It's like kind of like a French fry, yeah. but not. It's so good. <laughs> I wonder how they would. Do you have have you heard of those like air fryers? Mm -mm. No, there's like a, a new kind of I don't know if it's new, but I've seen them more often in places online and stuff that there's like a an air fryer. So I guess it creates a, the same kind of type of frying that a deep fryer would but it's not mm. you don't use all the oil and stuff so i, I mm. bet you brussels sprouts would taste good in an air fryer. yeah That's that it. would be really good <laughs> <laughs> okay well keep raw i have a few more of these silly questions um these icebreakers i wrote down a pet peeve do you have a pet peeve do you have like a uh something that just always kind of gets under your skin and you don't have to i know this could be kind of for me i've been thinking about it and mine goes 
really into judgy zone. So I was just saying, <laughs> judge, I was just saying this is judgment free zone. But my pet peeves tend to be like these judgments that I have no idea about these external circumstances. But but uh, anything that might get on your nerves, like somebody leaves the toothpaste cap off the thing all the time, and you're like, oh, Jesus, what's it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if this is a weird one, but I don't like it when people cut their nails in public, like, or in the office or like, just, yeah, I can it, see that. I'm like, not into the sound. Is it this? Okay. So, so it's the sound yeah. m more than the fact that they tend to fly off into random directions. I mean, if you like keep them contained, I feel like theoretically it should be fine, but I just like the sound. I don't know why I'm just like, oh. And then like, you know, there's going to be 10 of them. So you're just like waiting for the next one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I could see that. I could see that. I, um, I was wondering, you know, I was wondering what you might say. Cause I know like sound things can be one on tops of, of lists. Like for me, eating sounds like, mm. well, I can't stand eating sounds. Like, uh, like my dad, when I was growing up, he tended to eat, eat with his mouth open and like he's loud, he's a loud eater. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like this is no, this is no good. But yeah, no, I feel that. I feel that. I do the, I don't know if I cut my nails around people. I tend to go outside so I can just let the clippings just like fall on the ground without having to worry about where they might have shot off to and trying to deflect them and keep them. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's like totally fine. That's like, yeah, it's organic. It's just going backwards. It's like when people are doing it like in the subway or like <laughs> in the studio with you or something. You're like, oh man, come on. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. Yeah, that's interesting. So that this kind of maybe is part, this is like a uh, part two of that same idea in a way. What is something that you do that you know you do that most people don't do? So I'm going to give you an example for myself. I've lately, especially lately, I've been saying, instead of saying thank you, I say I appreciate you is the way that I do mm. that kind of like whenever somebody does something for me, like anything, you know, I'm at the grocery store and they just checked me out i'm like i appreciate you especially right now with the <laughs> with the pandemic and stuff and knowing these like essential workers are there and they you know they they don't have as much of a choice sometimes um that i want that to them to know i don't know that's saying it that way makes me feel like i'm have more behind it i don't know mm -hmm. but what's something maybe that you do there's another one i could give an example of but i want to see what you you might say um I feel like I don't have anything so heartwarming that comes to mind. <laughs> oh, it doesn't um, have to be <laughs> I, I've noticed that I've started saying the word situation a lot lately, and I don't know when it started or where it came from, but I'll be like, uh, I don't know, like, oh, that's situation. Uh, I can't think of a good example, but I just use it for to describe like anything, not just situations, like that object over there like oh that situation that piece oh, over I there see. i don't yeah. know <laughs> like for everything yeah i could i see that i have i have a word one too i'm going to share i do i say that's interesting a lot mm. when in a specific um instance usually when i don't like it or when i rather say like something i'm like i don't agree with how you're going about this situation i'm like oh that's interesting you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like and so not many people know that but the some people do and so they kind of look, they side eye, they side eye me when I say it sometimes. They're like, oh, what's Alex really thinking right now? <laughs> but, I'm going to have to watch out if you say yeah. that's interesting for the rest of the hour. I know, but it's not always that either. So sometimes it is genuine, but sometimes it's some when I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not jiving on what you just said, but you know, that's interesting. <laughs> uh -huh. Cool. I don't know that I, that totally helped me break the ice. Um, I hope it helped you break the ice a little bit. Yeah. That was good. I, 
I wish I had like better answers. I feel like I overthink these things and then I'm like, oh, I don't know. Well, now, <laughs> now maybe when, you know, you know, the next couple months you'll be thinking like, oh, oh yeah, there's, I do do this one thing or, oh, I, yeah. I do like this movie or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's one more I'm going to, I'm going to give out for myself. So a long time ago when I was a kid, um, when I was, you know, kind of developing my handwriting, uh, I saw one of my friends do the letter D by starting like in the middle and circling up, but not coming back down with the line, mm. just leaving it mm -hmm. as, a, and that's what I started doing. So there's a couple letters in my alphabet that I do things like that, where I'll just do like a, I, I kind of change them based on like the proper way to write them. Mm. You know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Those are little things. I do. So tell me, tell me a little bit about your, so I'm, I've been evolving the way I asked this question about your art, like the guests, your artwork. Um, and right now, this is where I'm at. The way to ask it is, tell me the kind of the artist statement way of saying it. And then also tell me the, you know, your the way you talk to your grandma about what you're doing for artwork. So like, what are the ways you, you kind of tell people okay. about your art? Yeah, you froze for a second, but you're good. Um, I think the one. Oh, okay. Um, I think the one sentence version is I make kind of videos and objects that I use in video performances to talk about tech and labor. Um, and the longer version, I don't know. I feel like that's the longer version as well. Like I'm really interested in the history of technology. Um, very interested in labor, and I try to. Um, bring critiques of both of those two things into work that I make. I'm trying to think of like what somebody that wouldn't know anything, like I can kind of guess a little bit about what that might look like, but I'm wondering what somebody would ask you that doesn't know about um, what that would look like. Is there, is there, have you ever gotten that question? Like, like just like, well, what does that mean? You know, what does that look like? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess I've gotten the question, like, do I do performance or do I do video? And I'm like, I don't know, like somewhere in between isn't video kind of performance. Um, I, I usually, I, this didn't really happen on purpose, but I usually appear in all of my videos. And so in some ways they are kind of performances, um, but I do edit them. So they're videos mm -hmm. and, and then I don't usually perform in front of an audience. So then I guess that makes it a video. Um, yeah, I guess maybe the questions would be like, what do you mean by technology or what do you mean by labor or things like that? Um, and I'm particularly interested in, um, I guess, more modern technology in the tech industry. So that's like, I guess, starting in the early 1900s and then very interested in what um, a lot of the large tech companies are doing today. So is it about how the relationship of how it's affected people, like what it means for, cause there's, I don't know, I could guess like there's with, with the tech industry, you know, there's a, a I guess with a, a high suicide rate with what's going on through that kind of world, but we don't hear about it um, because of, you know, it's like who wants to talk about it, I guess, as part of it, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. And then also technology in terms of like what it does to your body, like, carpal tunnel type stuff or whatever it might be doing when you're using technology because you know especially if it's new technology so are those some of the conversations that you're having around this 
Yeah, I, I'm more interested in how we're creating the technology. So okay. um, I guess like the, the things you described make me think of like after the technology exists, how does it get adopted, used? Mm. Um, how does it hurt people after it exists? And I'm interested in why does it even exist in the first place? So like who's making it? Um, what are their politics? What are they thinking? And how does that end up in the technology they're building? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, cool. Nice. Uh, I have questions. I know there's some questions floating around about video work that will um, can you know intermingle as we go because I'll just I'll, I'll lead with this. I guess is because you've been working with video. Um, how much has it changed? How much has it informed? How much have you learned about it um, with this kind of being in this COVID Zoom? um moment like has did you feel like you were potentially maybe more comfortable knowing that there's be more restrictions or learning that there's been kind of more restrictions with i mean most all of our programs have there's we haven't been on campus and things like that as much um and so we haven't been able to critique the same way so how much has your previous knowledge and your desire to work in video affected your ability to access the state we're in with education and Zoom learning and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I I guess that's kind of where I I would say the the performance side of my work comes in. That the location where my videos were staged was incredibly important, and so now because everything I can't go anywhere and I can't stage anything anywhere, um, I've been starting to learn how to create virtual environments. So I've been, you know, teaching myself some Cinema 4D, a little bit of Blender, like that kind of stuff. But it's, I mean, it's really different. And it says you're like, I mean, you're saying really different things when you're creating a virtual environment versus when you're interacting with a physical space. And so that's really hard. Obviously, like I, I used to also work with other people and now I, that's not safe. So I'm doing that um, on my own, um, I guess with my immediate family. Um, but yeah, I guess in terms of like accessing education, do you mean like when we're, when we're showing work and talking about work and critiquing and things like that? Yeah. Um, just, yeah. Anything really. I mean, I'll just give a quick example. Like for me, you know, be, I, because of my interest in video and such, I just felt like I wasn't as resistant. Like there was a lot of students. I felt like there was a resistance to it because they felt like it it wasn't what they wanted to be doing. But since I mm. wanted to work in video anyway, I was like, well, video is my work. So it, it kind of really made sense for this moment. So mm -hmm. did you feel that at all? Did you feel like, oh, since video is my work, I have a kind of have it a little easier in some weird way? Yeah, I think at first, that's how I felt. Yeah. I was like, oh, no problem. Like, I'm just going to keep making video. And then I I think I realized how much I, I need yeah. all the other things that I don't have access to. And I was like, oh no, like this kind of isn't gonna work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could see that. Um, I My my story, I, I'll just kind of hand it again here for a second. My, it's like going into grad school, being my second year, my during my first year, I was like, okay, video, video, video. I wanna really wanna make that a part of my thing. And now that it's like, I just explained that situation we're in and I was like, okay, this will hopefully be easier. I found a lot of the work I'm making has been like installation oriented. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's not gonna work out anymore. <laughs> so yeah. Like, 
but I've been trying to, um, I guess I'll, I'll throw this out there and see how you respond to it. Like for me, even though I'm making these kind of installation type pieces, I, I am trying to find a video version of it as well. So I, I let the artwork live in kind of two, two or three different versions of the same piece mm -hmm. with your video work. Do you have that element? Like you have props and things. Do the props become sculptures by themselves as well? Like how do you interact with that? Or do you just, is it all for the video? Um, so far it's, basically all been for the video yeah. and um yeah and I, I i've kind of been thinking about that for the things i'm working on right now um i've been feeling the itch to start making physical things but there's like really no space to do it um so i'm thinking about mocking them up in uh in 3d and then you know making them later when i can so yeah but i they don't really exist as sculptures on their own they really are just props for the video so far Let's talk about space. You just mentioned space. Like, what is your environment like right now in terms of being able to work? You, you've mentioned a few times you feel there's a limitation, obviously, with being able to work with other people. But in terms of space, describe the space you have to work with and what you're doing to make take the most advantage of it right now. Um, how's that? Um, I, if I had known that we would be online for the whole year, I would not have moved to LA. So I moved to LA because they said that we would be partial access to, to like studios and stuff. Um, and, um, yeah, so we are in a two bedroom apartment and okay. it's not big at all. I don't have a separate studio. I do not want to pay for that. Um, and so everything is being made like in the living room. So I like make, make a really quick video uh, late at night and then I have to clean it all up before the next day <laughs> and it sucks. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get in. We'll get in more into that as we as we go uh, in terms of. Well, let's I don't know. I do this all the time. Like <laughs> I just let's dive into it. So like it sounds like so I'm I use a lot of these conversations a lot of the times when I talk to people, you know, you know, I have my own experience with, you know, this being in grad school. So it's like a, a, a compare and contrast in a way. And what you just said about the living room space, having to clean it up, it sounds to me like the not only the pandemic, but possibly there's a, a grad school element to this as well. That's defining the type of work you're, you're making. And so with that idea, have you found like, where do you live in the spectrum of how content you are with your work? And then when people view it, the critique you're getting, like how much of the filter, like do your professors, where do your professors filter it? Do they come at it with, okay, this is a pandemic work or they come at it with the ex expectation that it should be your best work regardless of pandemic or not. And how do you feel that is going so far? Yeah. Uh, I'll start with the second question. I think the professors have, been really kind and I think that they they do they have been very understanding that we are in these uh really like extraordinary circumstances and so they've been just very gentle with critiques and it's been much more um I feel like they're letting I mean I have nothing to compare it to because I'm a first year but yeah. uh it seems to me that they're not being like you know they're not like trying to tear us down they really are like trying to be kind and helpful and supportive um, so that's been really nice. Um, I think that 
I am much harder on myself than the professors have been on me, that I'm I'm not happy with the work that I'm making, that I was like super excited to come to grad school. I had, um, you know, like high, I don't know, high expectations, like not in like a bad way, but I was just like very excited to have this space in this community and to be interacting with like all these people um, to get inspired and really push my work. And I don't feel like I've done that. So it's, it's more like, yeah, it's more internal. Um, yeah, no, that all makes sense. Um, let's uh, use this as a segue into some of the grad school experience in terms of the school you're at, why you chose it. And you mentioned you're not from the LA areas, so you moved to, where are you from? I was living in New York before, you were living in New York okay. City. Okay, it's a long trip. <laughs> yeah, I had been in New York for about 10 years. Okay, all right. Um, so, so why, so basically simple questions, why graduate school? Like why did you wanna to go to graduate school and then why did you choose UCLA? Mm -hmm. um, grad school, yeah, grad school, just whether or not I wanna to go to grad school was a big decision. I was working full time um, in the tech industry, which is why that's a lot of my interest um, artistically mm. uh, before that. Um, and um, yeah, and I have been, I was like, you know, making art on, evenings, weekends, whenever I could. Um, and I really wanted to be able to focus on it more and having, and it was interesting, like talking to friends or folks I met who had MFAs. And I feel like half of them were like, don't do it. It's not worth it. And the other half of them were like, it's so great. You should definitely do it. So um, I kind of settled on the, I'll do it if I don't have to pay for it. <laughs> and so that was, okay. um, um, that was one of the, one of the main criteria I was, um, looking at when I was deciding which schools to go to or which schools to apply to. But yeah, I feel like a lot of people say this grad school, time, space, community to just focus on work. Do you, okay. Do you feel that is, well, it must be weird to be able to really know if that's the case right now because of the pandemic. Yeah. But, but I, I mean, I guess like my experience is you're not working as much as you're not working on your work as much as you think you were like, I thought I was going to in a way because there's like reading, there's like a lot of other stuff to do. So it's, mm -hmm. it's not like a dive in and just be an artist artist, you know, it's like a, the way I've been defining it is, um, and maybe you've felt some of this so far is it's more about why you make work versus making mm -hmm. work, you know? So, yeah. So you yeah, I think that's been true. And I think the professors are also pushing us to consider that question too. Yeah. Yeah. And so explain a little bit about just uh, I'm curious about the, uh, you know, not having to pay for it. Was it a scholarship situation? Was it I don't know. I don't know. How how did is it just the tuition? But life like how did like how does like what were those considerations? Yeah, I mean, I, I, this was like when I was deciding when where to apply to as well. So there's some like. I like I send this list to anyone who asks me about grad school, but it's like don't pay for gradschool.com or like something like that. And it's basically like a list of all the MFA programs and like how they're funded. Um, and so I was just like looking through that list and then comparing that against like faculty I wanted to work with and universities and like locations that I thought would be um, good. And so, yeah, so that was kind of how I narrowed it down. And then um, UCLA. I wanted to be in California because of, again, the tech interests and the, like that here is where a lot of that um, 
is, mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess. Um, so I wanted to be in California. I um, have friends in LA. And so I think like when you're uprooting your life, moving somewhere where you have a bit of a like network and, and community already is definitely a big part of it. And then there were a couple faculty members I was really excited to work with. And then the funding was, yeah, the funding was um, adequate. I mean, it's not like it's like amazing, but it covers what I need to cover. I mean, it covers tuition. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I'll look into that. Was it a website? Don't pay for grad school. <laughs> yeah, I can send you the link if people who listen to the podcast might be interested. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I suppose. I mean, we'll see. That's, I didn't, you know, everybody has a different... Um, approach i guess to how they they go about it so the money thing is a big deal like that's usually one of my last questions is kind of like tries to find out what are the you know the considerations like what i mean sometimes it's harder for since this is your first year and it's it's newer experience so you don't maybe have as, as much of a frame of reference for some of this but like the the i wish i knew before i started type of questions either in terms of you know, the philosophy around paying for it or the school itself. Like you just mentioned some, it was, it's pandemic related, but you mentioned like if you knew you weren't going to have as much access to the studios. So where, where is that right now? Let's, let's sit on that for a second. How is that relationship with the, 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 the actual physical school and you right now? Like, is it zero access or, or what's going on there? We are allowed to check out some equipment and we can send stuff in to be uh, fabricated. So we can, you know, bring in some pots and ask them to fire it in the kiln or something like that or print out something, but we don't have studio access. Do you know what the studio would look like if you did have access? Uh, I do because I, I checked out some equipment and then I got a short tour while I was there. So that's the, my entirety of my interaction with the studio. <laughs> well, what is it like? Is it are you separate oh. studios? Yeah. Display. Yeah. Yeah. Each each student has their own like room. OK, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's I've, our studios are there are a bunch of shared. Some have their own spaces. So it's like very that's not a standard um, at, mm -hmm. at, at my school, which is interesting. Um, you mentioned community a little bit. How have, like, it's been hard to, it sounds like it's been hard to access community right now for you. Um, do you feel like, where would you place that right now? Do you feel like there, is there, I don't know, I don't know, effort by the community to try to make it? Is it more of just, it's really hard because this is the way we're talking to each other is through Zoom or is it because it doesn't feel like there's actual effort for the community to actually come together? Because, you know, I don't know, my school tends to be a little bit of it's very department oriented. So trying to uh, get the, the cohort as a whole to kind of come together is a little bit more difficult at times. Mm. Um, but I don't know if you know enough about the culture of your school to know whether the cohort just wants to be a cohort or if there's department oriented so, so I don't know, is there anything around that you could tell me? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like weird being a first year because you don't yeah. have any contact, like you were just describing, it's like I have no context for that. Um, the first years have been meeting because uh, our first quarter we're all required to take a class together. So all the first years kind of got to know each other over the first quarter and so we, um, we've been like meeting, but um, but yeah, there isn't a lot of meeting up. I, I, 
I think that this is just like a weird format. Like it's not, you can't just like pop in and ask someone a question. You can't like, yeah. you know, it's like everything is much more formalized. Like you have to send an email or like schedule a time for a Zoom and then like who who's going to host it. It's like not, you can't just like, it can't have, it feels much less natural. Yeah, I would say the way that I was describing it at the beginning was like, we have a lot of stairs at SDSU. And it's like the passing on the stairways, you know, like the walk, yeah. walking up and down the stairs and passing your cohort or just other people and you're missing out on that, which is like, right. for me, my personality, I, I revel in those moments a lot, you know, because um, yeah. I always, if I pass somebody I know, I'll always say, what's up? You know, how's it going? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Did you start this podcast after the pandemic started or was it blank before? Um sort of yes and no i started <laughs> i started the podcast the intention of the podcast before the pandemic but when the pandemic mm -hmm. hit it really took like i was like all right well this is perfect let me really get into this and, yeah. and make it happen um i actually sort of connected to the podcast i interviewed uh henry lucas do you know him mm -hmm. he's part he's a ucla uh professor i don't know if he's there right now but i didn't remember him last year so i was interested if maybe you knew him what um what department like when you applied to the school did you do you have to apply to a specific like medium or like how did that work for you yeah you apply to a specific um oh, i forgot what they're called area okay um so i'm in the interdisciplinary studio which is maybe somewhat like misleadingly named that it, it's not it's not like a you have this is a way to pick like both ceramics and sculpture. It's so I think it's more about being interdisciplinary like art and something else. What has been um, again, this may be hard to answer right now, but that maybe maybe it's not specific to art school, but maybe it's just a, a life thing. Um, but since you moved to L.A., you're going to grad school. Uh, what through this time? Did you, okay, first let me start with when did you, did you move like right before school started or did you move at the beginning of the summer or where was that for you? Right before school. So I had to decide in like mid-August or July or something because I'm living in UCLA housing. So they were like, okay, you got accepted to housing. You have to decide now. And so I kind of knew I was going to be moving in July, but I didn't actually get here until early September, I think. Okay. It's, has anything just in general, we'll just open this up. It doesn't have to be specific to art school, but has anything from the moment that you moved in till today that you feel has been a, a good experience? Like, is there something, a person you met, a conversation you've had, whether it be art related or not, like something, maybe a personal reflection that you've had that you're like, oh, this is something I know now and I'm thankful for. Um, I have been really loving my classes outside of the art department. So that's also one reason I picked UCLA was because you can take classes in all the other departments. So um, like right now I'm taking a class called data and ethics with this professor who I've followed her work for a while. She's super cool. I'm so excited to be able to like be in a class where there's only like 20 other students and I'm like kind of starstruck. So um, yeah, so that's been really great. And I feel like even though it's Zoom and it's not ideal, like lectures are kind of okay over Zoom. So yeah. that's been pretty good. And I think, I don't know, for myself as well, when you're at this graduate level, taking classes through Zoom and stuff 
is a completely different story than an undergrad or high school yeah. or any any other level because supposedly we're here because we want to be and yeah. so <laughs> and so it's like the intention and the focus it's like everybody has their cameras on everybody is listening and when you're mm -hmm. having like a discourse it it's almost like well i don't know i don't know if you could say better but i'm just thinking out loud right now but the idea that you you have to really listen. You have to really be yeah. engaged more, you, almost more than you would in the classroom because of working through the weirdness of technology, like when things glitch out and you have to like process, oh, he meant that is what he actually said right there, even though I didn't quite hear it and things like that. Mm -hmm. So and then I don't know. So I agree. I guess what I'm saying is I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with what you just said. Um, OK, that's cool. I guess that I guess that finishes the MFA part. If there's something else that you think of, and I'm sure there's things that I'm curious about that I, I'm, I'm forgetting to ask um, about the, that I'll, I'll maybe drop in as we go. But so you mentioned, I wanna get a little bit of a more, pic, a bigger, a better picture of you as an artist before graduate school, because you said you were working in tech, it sounded like, and then you said you were making art like on the weekends or on the side and stuff. Did you go to under, like, what did you study your undergrad in? And how did art, like, why was art important enough for you to keep making it? Um, how does that pre-graduate school picture of your artist life look like? Yeah. Um, so I didn't, I mean, I studied, uh, I didn't go to an arts undergrad. And I did do a double major in art and international relations. So like kind of politics, um, but I didn't really have an intention of pursuing art. And I thought, I just like, didn't, I don't know. I feel like when I was young, just like didn't have a lot of self-confidence. And so I just didn't think I was talented enough to be an artist. And I like, it's very intimidating. There's no path, you know, it's just like, oh, you get this degree and then like, there's there's no conversation about what it actually looks like to be a professional artist like I, I didn't even know residencies existed until a few years ago like I didn't know that was a thing so it, it was just kind of like not clear where you go from from there um, so I graduated and I started working and I kind of like tried to find other ways to be creative like I worked in advertising for a little while and then through advertising, I ended up in tech. So I started working in advertising at Google and then like moved on to other teams. And so I had also studied tech as an undergrad. So that wasn't like totally random. So these two things have always kind of been in parallel. Um, yeah, and then um, very unhappy with the tech industry as maybe people have all become aware now that the tech industry is pretty like terrible um, and just very disillusioned with it and kind of like wasn't sure what to do about that. And so started uh, making work to kind of work through those ideas or to share some of those thoughts with others. And um, yeah, I guess that it really just started from that very like personal place of like, I want to talk about these ideas with other people. And if I make work, then that kind of starts a conversation. And so that's how, that's how that began. And then I just really enjoy the feeling of making work. And I mean, it can be very frustrating and painful as well when things are, when like you're trying to figure out, work through some things, but then, um, I don't know. I just like, I like it. It's fun. I try to make things that like make me laugh and that I enjoy. Um, so yeah, I guess that, I don't know if that answers the pre-grad school 
Hey, it's what it did is gave me some more things to ask you about. So that's great. And the th two things that came up, the first one was this idea of talent. And um, there's a, a lot of ways to look at talent in art world, I guess. And for me, it's almost less important than intention in a lot of ways. Um, so I, I'm just curious for you, like what what was was there any specific conversation or moment or idea that helped you get through feeling like you weren't talented enough and how that changed for you? Yeah, so I, I attended this like 10 week artist run school. I like left my job because I it was like a really, really terrible work situation. Um, so I left my job and then I was kind of like, ah, what am I going to do? And I did this like 10 week artist run school. And that was kind of what reignited my love of art. That was in 2017. Um, and I think it was like I, I went to I signed up for that with no intention of like pursuing art after that. I was like, this is just something to like do something fun for a little while. Um, and it completely changed my like mind about like, I had no idea art could be like this um, was kind of what I came out of it thinking. And yeah, and I guess in some ways it changed my life because now I'm in art school. So I like took a really different path. Can you give an example of, you said art could be like this, like what does that, what does this look like? Yeah, I mean, like on the first day of class, the person who like started the school and runs the school or he ran the school, um, like sat us down, there's like 18 of us in this 10 week program. And he was just like, I think of this school as a sculpture and like the building this community and, you know, sharing this with you all, like that is my practice. And I was like, what, <laughs> Like that's your practice. Like, I yeah. didn't know that that, like, I thought it had to be an object that sits in a gallery. Um, and so that just like really, it, I mean, I, this sounds really silly, but like, I don't mean anything can be art, but like kind of anything can be art. It like, you can, if it's just a way to engage people and share things. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we, we want to go down that, what is art conversation at all, but, <laughs> but that's something that I've kind of the path that you just described is similar to some of what I've been experiencing over the last year and a half, especially with like what you described sounds like a social practice realm of mm -hmm. art making. And I didn't really even know what social practice, I didn't even know that term meant like was a part of art making until mm -hmm. like a year and a half ago. And now it's like, okay, there's a new way of looking at things. So I've evolved because I was very object, like artifact oriented, you mm -hmm. know, yeah. as well, like feeling like that was necessary, which I still feel like it's, it's, there's, I can't think of the right word, but truth to that as well. But, um, yeah. but it's again, like, I guess how I started this whole thing with like intention is a big mm -hmm. part of the art making process. And then just the research and the where, yeah, so it's just, it's it's mm -hmm. it's complicated yeah yeah definitely <laughs> um the other thing that you mentioned through this process or the other it's not quite what you mentioned but it's kind of the body of what you were talking about with like you said the class one of the classes you really enjoyed outside of art was your data and ethics class and then and then what you've been interested in talking about with your art really feels like the right mindset to have going into graduate school. And I've talked to some graduate, some artists, like, and I was, I think I would put myself in this, in this column as well of thinking about, I wanted more about the process and more about the making experience, not about the con concept experience. But now I've kind of flipped and I'm like, okay, I really feel like graduate school is really about 
the conceptual aspect of it, unless you go to a very specific graduate school where they are teaching you something about process that's very specific. But in general, I feel like, so do you feel, have you had enough time for starters in your program to feel like, oh, okay, or maybe you've gotten some actual feedback like from professors or, or your cohort or anybody saying like, you're coming at this with a good place, you know, where you're approaching. Um, do you feel that at all? Do you, do you, do you relate to that at all? Um, I mean, I guess like on the flip side of all the professors are being very kind and supportive is that I don't feel like I've gotten any like really critical feedback so that like, it's kind of hard to like, I, I kind of feel like I, I think my frustration with myself right now is that it feels like I'm just kind of like doing a little of this, doing a little of that, trying this, trying that, um, and not really going deep on one concept. And there is a professor who did make that comment. He was like, this is fine, but like you haven't like really gone into anything. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And I, maybe that's okay right now to just like try a little bit of this and that out. Um, but yeah, I feel like that that grad school is a good time to go really deep on a concept or really deep on a technique. Like, I don't think you have to be a conceptual artist. You can just really focus on technique as well. Um, and, and I have not done that yet. I guess it's only been a quarter, so yeah. I can't really be that hard on myself. Was there with anybody you talked to? So like in my program, one of the narratives that came up a lot during my first, like, onboarding I sent in a sense to being a graduate student was the first year is for like experimentation kind of exactly what you're describing so do you feel like so first off how long is your program and second off was there any kind of onboarding like this is what we expect during your first year kind of thing uh it's a three-year program and um it there was no onboarding I feel like everyone was just like it's okay, your first year, just be chill. Like some people even said like, you don't even have to make anything at all. And I was like, I don't, why am I here then? Yeah. <laughs> so, and it was a little bit like, I mean, I appreciate the like, the not being, you know, pressured to produce and stuff. Like we, you need to take your time to think through things for sure. Um, but yeah, there, I, and I think also, this is a weird thing about not being in the studios is you have no benchmarks. Like, I don't know what the second and third years are doing. So like, I don't know how your practice, what, what the evolution of a practice looks like over the course of a three-year grad program. So like, it's totally just like shooting in the dark being like, I think this is what's expected of me, but I really don't know. Yeah, um, I could see that. I There's a similar experience with my school. It was a little, I prefer, so let me ask you this way. Would you have liked it more if there was a little more of a, a transparent onboarding process? Like I would have, <laughs> I would have liked yeah. to know. Like, <laughs> I think that would be helpful. But I guess like even as I'm saying it, I'm realizing like this is also just like part of like what I wanted to learn in grad school is like how to do this for yourself. Yeah. So it would have been nice to have some expectations, but also like in the end of the day, we need to figure this out for ourselves. So yeah. But I, I, it would be nice to figure this out with other people, <laughs> not just by yourself. Do you mind if I just give some advice? Um, yeah, go for it. Okay. Based on what you just said, what I would encourage you to do is to do this with like as many of the grad, the second and third year grads as you can. Just sit, mm -hmm. just call them, say, hey, I'm a first year if they don't know you already. And I really want to know what you're working on. I want you to maybe show them some of what you're, they're, you're working on and have like a studio visit with them. 
yeah. as in and just kind of and I'm sure they'd be down. Um, and even if you want to do that with me at some point and we off, you know, just talk, <laughs> talk very specific about the artwork that we're making. Like this podcast, yeah. this podcast is not intended to be really nerdy about pieces of artwork. It's more of like who you are and what's going on and things like that. Mm -hmm. But if, you know, just take, that's one thing that I've, um, I don't know, learned, I guess, is trying to take advantage. And with, with the situation we're in, it's, it's extra kind of easy, but take advantage of as many like studio visits, quote unquote, mm -hmm. as possible. And now that we're all stuck online, you can ask anybody in the world, essentially, hey, I'm a student. And because you're a student, it's like you have this access into, oh, you're a student at UCLA. I'll, yeah, of course, I'll come see what you're working on rather than this general random, hey, I'm an artist trying to get famous, you know, or whatever, you know, it's like, so these, these, pe <laughs> these people in the world might be so especially your cohort would probably be willing yeah. to sit down with you and and go through that for with you so i would i would do that that's my advice that's my no, that's good <laughs> advice that's definitely good advice so and then and then it would possibly help build that community as well you know yeah. so you'd at least have a one-on-one -on -one community um mm -hmm. cool um uh, so yeah the reason part of why i wanted to get a little sense of your kind of backstory as an artist a little bit more was because one of the questions i like to ask is and maybe you just answered it in that that um event you went to um that 10 week was it 10 week you said yeah mm -hmm. um but essentially it's the idea is like where do you feel you learned the most about art and how has it affected your practice like a person you met an idea a show you watched whatever it might be a class you took like maybe it's the one you just described <laughs> yeah i think that that 10 week program definitely changed a lot for me um I, I feel like it's been, it's hard to point to one, one thing because it just kind of keeps going that I keep meeting another person that I'm like, wow, you've completely once again changed my mind about, or not changed my mind, but just like opened my mind to things I just didn't know. Um, I find it very helpful when, like, when I'm participating, like when I'm giving a workshop or doing a talk or something, I feel like the interactions I have with people afterwards um, are super like open studio type things have been really helpful to just like I guess expand that or I guess I'm thinking particularly I'm speaking very vaguely but I'm thinking particularly of this um like 10-day workshop thingy that I taught with like four was it four or five other artists and like watching their teaching styles and like sitting in on their classes was like again like a very eye-opening experience of what else art could be cool what so what's the uh the hope you know do you have a this is what I hope to accomplish. Like you already mentioned, there's no career, I, I forget how you phrase it, but <clears throat> career path when you want to be an artist and stuff, it's really hard to say like, this is what you're going to be doing. And you know, you said you just learned about residencies and stuff. What are, um, what are some of the things you think about though, while you're like, this is what I hope to accomplish because you know, this is what I want to use my MFA for. This is what I'd like out of this. Um, if you have something, maybe you have, maybe it's more just, you know, I'm really just focused on being here in the moment day by day. That could be an answer too. But what is the kind of like hopeful down the road look at this? Yeah, I I think it's a, it's more of the, the I'm here day by day and I just want to try to, I want to be happy with where I am and what I'm learning. And um, I'm interested to know whether or not I enjoy teaching. So mm. we get, have a lot of like TA opportunities and things like that. So that's like a, a big component of like 
understanding if this is something I want to do. Um, I'm really interested in, um, like, I know a few artists who present their work at non-art things. So like an artist who presents her work at anthropology conferences and archaeology conferences. And so I, I find that really interesting as like a way to speak to people who maybe aren't really interested in going to a museum or in like the quote unquote traditional art world. Um, and so that's something I'm really interested in trying and exploring is like, are there ways to talk to people in these other industries or areas that I'm interested in um, through art and maybe get them interested in art and like share um, yeah, and like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm like, pretty sure I'm just gonna get a regular job after <laughs> school and like, kind of go back to what I, not like the type of job I was doing before, but like, go back to like making art in my spare time, because I don't know, I don't know how one makes money off of art, really. And I don't know if one always wants to do that. Um, mm -hmm. But, but yeah, <laughs> I guess like, that's part of what to figure out is just like meeting a lot of artists and seeing how they um, manage their practices. Yeah, that's uh, just a tangent. That's my goal through this process is whatever it is, whatever it ends up being, it's like not that. It's not going to work for <laughs> some. You know, it's like I'm like I I I started graduate school for a lot of reasons just to you have that space that that yeah. three years of of mental space to figure it out because like up till this mm -hmm. point, up till like a year and a half ago. That's working all the time. So it's like, it's really hard to figure out what you want to do with your life when you have to work all the time yeah. just to keep surviving and stuff. And you're not, that's a yeah. whole, there's a whole story around that too. But, but, um, but yeah, so it's interesting. So what I'd like to do, um, definitely since, especially, you know, I've been interviewing some people like you that are starting off this, this journey. So I hope that we can reconnect in a year or two, um, and see where you're at if, if things have changed. Because one of the things that I've noticed for myself um, is the experience of grad school really has evolved my thought process around things mm -hmm. um, that I didn't even totally expect. So I, uh, I'm wondering if that might help happen to you. Like maybe in a year from now, you will have more of a vision of like, oh, this is actually what I want to do because of some mm -hmm. something somebody said or or you learn more about how to be an art, like an artist that survives off their art. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this journey evolves for you. So I hope we can reconnect um, down yeah, the road. Sure. Um, is there anything else? Is there anything, do you have any, I don't know, philosophies or do you have any kind of like nuggets like that you carry around with you while you're either a life philosophy or like an art making philosophy that you kind of think about like artists should consider or I don't know, even people should consider um have you do you have anything like that um I mean I guess like I said before I try to make things that uh, make me laugh and that are funny. I, I guess like maybe a philosophy is to try not to take art too seriously. Like I, uh, maybe you feel this way as well, having done a lot of other um, things prior to being in a grad program is that like, I, I know there's a lot of other stuff out there. And so it's like this, it's not the be all end all. And there are a lot of people who don't care at all about art and yeah. that's legit and like, it's okay. And so I don't know if that's like a good way of thinking about it, but like, yeah, I try not to take things too seriously or put it too much on a pedestal. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, that's great. That's great. Um, I'm realizing 
you know, the thing that we didn't talk about that I said at the very beginning, and this will maybe we'll just wrap it up with this idea um, is you're talking about sleep a little bit. And I'm curious about this pandemic mode we're in and grad school and life changes and all this stuff. Like how how has your sleep schedule been messed up because of it or how, how have you been able to uh, maintain a good sleep schedule? Because my what I feel like for myself is because of the way the world has happened, I've been able to, my body has been able to fall into the rhythm it wants to be on. And so I like, <laughs> I like get up at 10 pretty much and go to bed at 2 a.m. That's for the last like three, four months, that's been it. And every time I try to get off, if it just doesn't work, and every time I try to like go to bed early, it's just like, that's where my body wants to be. Get up at 10, go to bed at 2 and I don't know, and I'm okay with it. But unfortunately, once we're out of this pandemic world, unless I'm doing what we just talked about, like having a sustainable life of my own, you know, <laughs> most of the world wakes up at six, seven, eight, you know, right. you know, so I don't know anything like that for you. Yeah. I mean, I have a four-year-old, so I like, I don't really oh, get wow. to choose. <laughs> um, so yeah, I feel like I, I read about this concept recently, which I was like, maybe I'm kind of doing that called revenge sleeping, which is like where you stay up later than you know you should, like based on what time you know you need to get up because you're like, you're kind of like seeking revenge on all the time that was stolen from you. <laughs> and so like, I I don't know. Um, I know you you said you had a kid. I listened to some of the other episodes. You mentioned you had, a ki uh, had kids. So you probably know this feeling of just like, I don't feel like I have my mornings anymore. So I take it out on the evenings and then I'm just exhausted. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes, I mean, I get that. My, I didn't, I didn't realize you had a kid. We, that's a whole nother, I mean, I won't let this go much longer because we did make our hour, but I just, I want to um, ask a few maybe just one other or just say another thing about the kid factor is um, for me, when my kids were younger, so mine are uh, 12 and 14, 13 and 14. Yeah, 13 and 14. Oh my God, <laughs> I feel bad. I should know that. 13 and 14. My son turns 15 tomorrow. So that's pretty cool. Um, oh, happy birthday. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when they were little, kind of closer to your, but more baby, baby, like the first two years, I would get up early, like I would get up before they got up because that was the only time I could have I had to myself it was like, right. so I don't know if I totally fell into the revenge sleeping aspect, but I knew there was a the concept there that totally was accurate because I was exhausted all the time. But I was like, you know, if I don't get up before they get up, then I won't have any time by myself. But that's interesting. I mean, I don't. I feel like there's a ton of other yeah, questions. Exactly. I, there's a ton of other things I could ask about being a parent and making art. Um, but we're, we'll save that for next time. I'll, I'll keep in, keep, I'll remember that for next time so that when we reconnect, um, we can see how being a, in grad school, being a parent, oh my God, so many things. That's, Hopefully being in person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, totally. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, and don't hang up. We're going to end this now. I have some administrative stuff to talk to you about. But um, thank you so much for being a part of this. And um, yeah, I look forward to actually meeting you in person at some point. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. All right, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thanks a lot for hanging out with me and Anne today. That was great. I enjoyed that. I will say I felt like I talked a lot more than I normally do. <laughs> I don't know. I try to leave space, more space for the guests to speak than for me. But this one was 
I felt like it's even looking at the wave as I'm editing it, I noticed, man, I'm really talking a lot. So ah, hopefully it still is an enjoyable conversation. Didn't feel like I took it over completely. Um, but there's there. Now, you know, <laughs> now, you know, inside my head a little bit more. Um, this is what I call credit re- real time credit real. Uh, it's where I give shout outs to all the current Patreon supporters. So it's patreon.com slash the Zim. Check it out. It's a uh, Rowan Chamberlain, Michael Knapp and Matthew Bacher. They are the current supporters. You can be the fourth. So yeah, I have three currently. Hey, gotta start somewhere, right? So you can be the fourth. Let's do it. It starts at you know as little as a dollar a month and goes as much as you want. And there's tier levels over there. If you choose to sign up for an incentive tier, you can, or you can just do straight up just because you like the podcast and want to support those types of things. So check it out. Patreon.com slash the Zim. All right, that's it. I think I covered everything I needed and wanted to say this time. So until next time, be loving, kind, and patient, and peace.